Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to ALR PRA's Law Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Augustine. This show is produced by ALR PRA Incorporated, a global law practice management agency headquartered downtown Chicago, Illinois, and serving greater Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. We also connect domestic and international law firms for international legal issues. At ALR PRA, we spend our time managing our clients' business so they can spend more time practicing law. Our primary activities are law firm, public relations, marketing, and credentialing. We also offer a wide variety of practice management services to help you with all the back-end business of managing a law firm. Today's guest, we have Yehuda Kagan. He's the Director of Client Services for XFAN Technology Corporation, a provider of IS Utility Computing. XFAN goes beyond the cloud to help legal practitioners replace the capital costs risks of in-house IT with enterprise-level capabilities and a 99.9% uptime guarantee at a predictable user price point. Also on the show today is IT operations specialist Bill Picard. So we'll talk a little bit with these two gentlemen in a moment after we get moving. Also a website where you can find information about the company while you're waiting is www.isutility.com. Again, www.isutility.com. We do have a great show for you this afternoon. We invite your caller questions and counterpoint either by email directly at nick, N-I-C-K, at A-L-R-P-R-A.com with Law Talk Radio in the subject line, or please call in by dialing area code 917-889-9732, and you can press option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. The telephone number again is area code 917-889-9732. Option one for the caller queue. When calling in, please be kind to mute your phone while waiting to make a comment so that we can avoid any unnecessary background noise. By way of disclaimer, before we begin, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Results may vary based on your facts and location. Communication with attorneys on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship, and this programming is politically neutral, and objective counterpoints to views expressed on our shows are always welcomed. ALR PRA Incorporated does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by guests, and all callers remain confidential. Finally, all rights to this broadcast are reserved by ALR PRA Incorporated. Quick message from a sponsor before we get moving today comes from Mary Erlane. Mary Erlane helps to work professionals learn the skill of connecting the dots and removing barriers. On March 15, 2011, from 8 to 9.30 a.m., Mary will conduct a hands-on Leadership for Women workshop for women rainmakers and leaders in business. This event will be held in the large boardroom at 35 East Wacker Drive, ALRPRA's headquarters in Chicago, and ALRPRA is sponsoring your registration fees, making this a free event. Come by and enjoy a light breakfast and enjoy this pragmatic and acclaimed executive leadership workshop. Space is limited, so please register today by emailing nick at ALRPRA.com with women rainmakers and business leaders in the subject line if you'd like to receive a complimentary seat at this workshop. ALRPRA Incorporated is a Chambers Business Suites tenant, and we'd like to thank Chambers Business Suites for co-sponsoring this event. Now, as subject matter for today's program, information technology can influence law firm communication and data production and retrieval in several ways. While advances in technology tend to make work easier, there can be parallel advances in how information and intelligence is dangerous when it falls in the wrong hands. A trusted and savvy IT professional who works well with service industry professionals is a true asset and should be an integral part of your organization. So, we have uh, several segments today. We'd first like to say hello to our guests. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good afternoon. All right. 
we are going to first talk in our first segment about defining some common terms. So in the second segment, we're going to talk about how IT can help and the advantages of using smart information technology. In our third segment, we'll talk about how people fear technology may hurt them and learn how to avoid some common risks. Fourth, in our final segment, we'll talk about how to select the right IT professional and discuss a little bit about on-site versus local um, and outsourced professionals. So um, just getting along here uh, with our programming here, let's talk a little bit, and whoever wants to field these, uh, go right ahead. Our first question I want to know is what do we mean when we're talking about IT? What is this designation? What does it usually cover? Well, uh, IT stands for information technology, and that usually covers the IT system, the system that's in-house or off-site. Um, it usually covers computers, servers, printers, phones, um, any computer-related tech, uh, technology. Now, when we talk about different uh, technologies and cloud computing. I know that's one of the things we're going to talk about. You, you mm -hmm. said a system, so um, can you explain a little bit more by how you define a system? Well, a, a system, you know, is any, any uh, I guess, uh, organization of uh, equipment, including, like I said, um, servers and uh, computers, the hardware, and then there's the software, which includes the applications and um, many of those applications, as you just alluded to, are uh, moving to the cloud. So, go ahead. Applications would include your normal suite of Microsoft Office applications or, or Google applications, plus uh, vertical applications like Juris or Amicus or other legally oriented applications such as that that will help you with time and billing, for example. And these are all very important things, and by way of background, again, probably I would say about mm, 10 years ago when broadband uh, Internet uh, made it so much easier for people to uh, operate a, a law practice out of their home or out of another location, I, I think we started seeing more and more IT systems coming into vogue, and especially using some of the Microsoft uh, and Google and freeware uh, technologies are something that we often consult with with our clients and talk about that. So for purposes of today's uh, conversation, um, let's just go through and what, what we're going to do is identify some of, these, uh, some of these areas where you can find software and hardware to help you and make life easier, and then also answer some of the concerns and, and look at some of the benefits. So one of the things uh, many are concerned with and is cloud computing. So let's jump right into talking about what is the cloud and what are some of the pros and cons. Well, the simplest translation of cloud computing is Internet-based computing, any way you can access your data and applications uh, via the Internet. With this model, technology resources, as we said, software um, and data are delivered on demand to either the computer, the laptop, or the PDAs. And it can take uh, different forms and uh, consequently offer different benefits. But generally, companies move or firms move to this uh, model for its scalability and its uh, low capital uh, IT costs. When you say low capital IT costs, what does that mean to the average practitioner? Well, that means that you don't have to buy a server, for example. So, uh, you know, if you were going to run a new application, you know, you might have to buy, you know, for example, a Dell or an HP server for, you know, six or $7,000 and install that. Uh, that would be an example of a capital cost as opposed to an expense. You could get that same application out of the cloud, and you generally pay a 
per user monthly fee for that application as opposed to buying the server for 6000 and then buying the application to run it as well. Now, one of the things that I've talked to so many about is the risk of security breaches with cloud computing. And just by way of background, I am on a listserv with several other individuals where uh, lawyers talk a little bit about different options. And some people express some concerns about using uh, Google. Uh, Google has been in the news as, as data mining, uh, some say. Um, of course, you know, we have no formal statements from Google, but the word on the street is a concern for things with the cloud um, with attorneys' questions of security. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more in depth, but what is just a short answer to that? Uh, no data is safe anymore. So that's the short answer, okay? But, uh, you know, legal practitioners have a responsibility to secure their clients' data, and so they have to make sure that uh, they've taken every reasonable step possible to make sure that that data is secure. So, you know, if that's making sure that it's encrypted or going into an application that's being stored on site, that the passwords are updated and people can't get to those applications, because generally if you're going to have a breach, it's not going to be while it's on the Internet. Usually when data gets on the Internet, it's encrypted uh, via a very hard out, very uh, uh, strong algorithm that would be hard to crack. It's when it's at either endpoint, so you know whether it's at you know your site or you know where you're transporting that data to. That's generally where it's going to be uh, compromised, and you know half the time it'll be by an internal person, not necessarily an external hacker. Although there, there you have to safeguard against both. We just had a, a program last week on employee transitionings, and the attorney from the software tech uh, attorney talked a little bit about the different ways that uh, people can try to safeguard their information and in not, you know, for example, not giving access to everyone all, all the time. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, more about some potential risks we can avoid uh, in our third segment. Um, but going back to encryption, uh, you mentioned, can you give uh, an operating definition of what encryption really is um, and what what is really happening? Sure. Uh, let's say I'm going to send you an email and I want to make sure it's in encrypted and there's a document attached to that, okay? Well, uh, if I have a... Uh, sophisticated firewall that encrypts all data from my site before it gets on the Internet, uh, basically what it does, it takes that document and breaks down the characters in that document and will run those characters through a very strong algorithm, mathematical algorithm. So it will multiply it by a number of uh, uh, much like a multiplication problem and there's a key associated with that that goes with that. So when you get it on the other side, that key will give you the ability to understand that equation so you can uncouple that data and then uh, put it back into the format that it was when I originally sent it to you. So it's, now, it's one big math problem is what it is. So that answers the concerns of uh, many in the short term if they want to send information that's encrypted. And how does the recipient receive that? Um, how often are these password uh, issues, or is it the, the software that you're using that makes it encrypted? It, it can be uh, either and or both. So you're, uh, you can perform the encryption either at the uh, uh, transmission layer or uh, at the application layer. 
So if we're working in the cloud and we our, our information is uh, online, so to speak, and we don't have it housed in an internal server, we, and we want to uh, focus on encryption, uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the common software that uh, you've recommended or experienced in using that makes it easy for uh, most professionals to um, take their reasonable steps in guarding the security of their information? Yeah, well, most data today that's sent across the Internet, you know, has encryption built in, okay? A, a lot of it does not. Uh, if you want to go the extra mile, there are companies such as Blue Lance uh, or Alert Logic, for example, that you can buy uh, cloud-based encryption services, uh, and that basically gives you an audit trail uh, to help you understand if and when something may have, may have been compromised. Another thing that we often hear about is the suggestion that once information is dispatched, when emails are sent, they are out there forever. And while I have had the opinion that that is true to a sense, I wonder sometimes how much level of difficulty would be required to retrieve uh, some of those information. When they say that the information is out there forever, um, it, it, some people, I believe, conjure up the idea of um, you know, your garbage left out at the curb for everyone to see. Uh, how, how accessible is some of the data once it's out there, so to speak? Well, it's as accessible as the individual that – it depends on how – bad the individual wants the data. Okay, so first you have to find it. Uh, you may suspect where it is. Uh, then you have to figure out how to go get it. And then you have to unencrypt it. So again, going back to encryption, if you have a strong encryption algorithm, uh, you know, they may come get your hard drive out of your law firm. And if your hard drive, if the data on the hard drive is encrypted and it has a, a strong strong uh, algorithm such as, you know, 128 bits, which is a uh, something that's very hard to break, then, it, you know, they may be able to unencrypt it, but it might take them 40 years worth of effort to do that. So, um, you know, to answer your original question, uh, you know, you want to make sure that the data you have is stored as securely as it possibly can be. One of the analogies that I'm going to make is with home security. Uh, I heard an individual uh, who was um, it was a friend of mine was actually working for a security company, and uh, the statement that he made was that you, you can have all the locks, all the uh, you know all the alarms, all the door stops, but it's not going to stop the person from driving a truck through the front of your house. They can get in that way. Exactly. So again, do you have any other uh, follow uh, any other? Any other things that we didn't define, some operating definitions that uh, some people might uh, benefit from? Uh, one might be software as a service, uh, which is called SAS or SAS applications, and sometimes that's referred to as a cloud application. That's generally an application that you purchase on a monthly basis. How would that work? Uh, well, let's say you have a practice management system, for example, and uh, that is a – or let's say you have a need for a practice management system. You can do one of two things. You can go look at uh, a license for that. Uh, you build an IT room at your law firm or office. You get your battery backup. You buy a server. You run the cables, and then you – 
you buy the license application and you bring it and put it on there. So that's an example, you know, of kind of the way most people do it today. Or you can go software as a service. In some cases, you can purchase the exact same application and you just access it via the internet uh, in the cloud, so to speak. But it's also referred to as software as a service. That term in cloud sometimes are used interchangeably. Okay, thank you for the designation there. And then uh, we're going to pause for a short break, then we'll come back and apply some of these definitions and theories as soon as we uh, stop for a break. Again, we're talking with Yehuda Kagan and Bill Picard from XVAN Technology Corporation in Houston. Website again, www.isutility.com. Our first, our first commercial break today uh, comes from the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Your business may be exposed to liability if your marketing materials and slogans infringe on another's intellectual property. When you need the right legal services to advance your creativity and guard against trademark infringement, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. You can find the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme by visiting nkdlaw.com and also by searching for the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme on Facebook. The law office of Nancy K. Ducharme is there to help you with your advertising copy review and you can get in touch with Nancy today by visiting nkdlaw.com. Our next sponsor announcement comes from Steve Fretzen and Sales Results Incorporated. If you're an attorney who is struggling with developing your book of business, try calling Sales Results. For over six years, Sales Results has been helping attorneys to double or even triple their books of business through business development coaching programs. You can call Sales Results by dialing area code 847 317-1575. Again, 847-317-1575 or visit them online at salesresultsinc.com. Again, salesresultsinc.com. Now, as we get back to our Law Talk Radio program, we do encourage our listeners to call in with any questions by dialing area code 917-889-9732 and pressing option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. Again, we always take our callers' questions and comments through email directly or through the contact page found on ALRPRA.com. Now back to our program with Mr. Yehuda Kagan and Mr. Bill Picard from XVEN Technology. We're going to talk a little bit about how how different uh, software as service, cloud computing, different uh, IT services can help make law practice and other practice easier and, and more advantageous. So let's talk a little bit about how these uh, things can help us and what are some of the advantages of using, using smart information technology. So um, who'd like to start with what you see most common uh, from solo and small practitioners or medium-sized practitioners? What are they looking for primarily? Well, in many cases, uh, solo practitioners are, are just looking for any way because they're so uh, so, uh, so often scrambling um, to uh, you know wear so many hats in many cases that they're all, they always want to have their data and their clients' um, confidential data um, wherever they are, um, whether they're in the courtroom, whether they're in a um, what they call a war room, you know, before they uh, you know wherever they are on location, or if um, they're at home or on the road or even in their office, they want to have that same experience and the same access to the data wherever they are. 
And if they're on the beach in Bermuda, right, Yehuda? That's correct. I'll tell you what, I'd like to be on the beach in Bermuda, and I would take my BlackBerry with me, and I'll tell you this. I've got a Microsoft Exchange server, and I had an individual who came in as an operations consultant and set us up with a database that he built, the Microsoft Online, I've got SharePoint, all these things I did not have before. I was very savvy with Outlook, uh, but now... Not have, I used to have to connect the BlackBerry um, and have everything sync, and now everything happens instantaneously. So I don't have to wait yep. to get to the office to send a meeting request. I mean, it saved me so much time. And, again, with some of these features, it was difficult with setting it up, but now that I have it, I can't imagine living without it. Yes, certainly. And, and it also helps, I think, with the, um, as Bill um, alluded to, the, uh, the work-life balance, especially with solo practitioners. You know, they can get it on their laptop, their PDA, smartphone, instantaneously, like you said. And, you know, and I think that one of the things that we'd like to highlight is how easy it really is to embrace some of these technologies. Um, and again, for some of our people who have shifted around in different spots in the last uh, few years with uh, careers and transitions, let's say you're coming out of a, a larger law firm where everything was taken care of for you, and now you're setting up your own shop, um, let's talk a little bit about what types of things uh, can save save clients some money. So um, saving money and getting work done and, and billing is certainly a good thing. So um, some phone, text, video, uh, video video mail, live video, what are some of the uh, options out there that we might not know about? Well, there are a number of options, and they uh, are coming at us at a rapid pace. You know, every week you have new options in terms of productivity, but, you know, if I were a uh, uh, solo practitioner or, or a small uh, law firm, particularly coming out of a larger one where I'm used to some of the technology, I would want a laptop, a smartphone, a go-to meeting account, and uh, probably some sort of video conferencing facility. Okay, So the, the premise is that no matter where I am, I have the same set of resources uh, that I can use to service my clients. So. Uh, on a go-to meeting, for example, that's a $50 per month subscription. Uh, WebEx is also another provider there, but it allows you and your client to look at the exact same document on the same screen at the same time, so there's no questions, concerns, or misinterpretations as you're reviewing certain documents. Uh, likewise, with the uh, video conferencing, you know, it's much easier to understand what people are saying when you can see them and understand their body language and the inflection in their voice. When we look at things like video conferencing, a lot of folks use Skype, and a concern, again, might be that uh, Skype may not be as well encrypted or messages. Uh, is there, are some of the, you know, Skype being freeware, there's a lot of freeware out there. Are there some concerns that there are going to be transmission interceptions or security risks, or have the providers with the freeware uh, designed them in a way that they're pretty safe? Well, as I said earlier, uh, you know, no data is safe anymore. Uh, if somebody wants it bad enough, they'll figure out how to get it. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, we were visiting with a, a law firm a few weeks ago. They were bragging, bragging about their secure system and what they had done over the last uh, six months to ensure that that system was secure, but they forgot one thing and uh, that was their wireless access inside their office. So their wireless access that allowed 
anyone really sitting in their waiting room or outside the hall, uh, they could get on uh, their system. Their system was not uh, secure. It was using an old uh, security uh, encryption. And, uh, you know, whether it's wireless access, uh, video, whatever, you still have to make sure every step of the way that you're, you're going to make sure that you've taken the, all reasonable steps you can to protect that data. But, you know, Skype is, is one that, you know, along with other freewares that you might have a concern about. So, you know, in talking about main, main, maintaining a reasonable uh, look at security and uh, what's reasonable, um, one of the things that pops to, into my mind is the professional liability and malpractice insurance policies. Are you aware of um, any of the insurance companies requiring certain levels of encryption? I know with banks, uh, most things, I worked in a trust company um, years past, and we had 128-level encryption that was necessary and standard. What, what, have you heard anything about insurance companies requiring any level of standard? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh... You know, that, that sort of begs the next question, which is, you know, if I do this uh, in a secure fashion, do I get a better rate from my insurance company, for example? And uh, I know the answer to that is no. We've helped some uh, of our uh, clients look for that type of insurance. And uh, generally, the insurance companies do not have the ability to go out and measure your level of security. So even if you told them what your uh, level of security is they're not going to send a third party out to verify that. So, you know, you sign up for the amount of coverage you want, and they tell you what that premium is going to be. Generally, right. The way it works. right. Well, um, you know, it's, it's always something people are looking uh, for is the opportunity to send a letter to reduce their malpractice premiums and by uh, having their systems audited and whatnot. Um, and as far as auditing systems. Um, and we could talk about that a little more in the fourth segment. How is that something that's pretty common of people asking you to come in and uh, look at their systems and, and audit and make suggestions? Yeah, we, we do generally a, a couple of different types of audits. The first would be a security audit, which uh, would detail uh, the ability to access that system remotely, how secure that is, uh, the other ways in which you can access the system, uh, for example, the uh, wireless uh, your passwords, you know, are the passwords taped to the desk, which we see that all the time. Uh, and in, in addition to that, uh, there are all sorts of other types of, of uh, audits that you can do on a real-time basis. And I think maybe that's what we want to talk about in that next section. I, I like very happy you key in on the the post-its on the desk that's one of we're doing some uh, programming for the American Bar Association practice management section coming up and that's one of the things that we're going to talk about with law firms creating policies internally um, that the system and the security is only as good as the user so let's make sure that we don't uh, you know passwords are, are great but when we tattoo them on our forehead or put them on the on the desk uh, or on the monitor, uh, it's really easy for people to come in. Um, also, cleaning staff. I'm surprised by um, how many people have such secure systems, but then the paper trail and all the boxes of documents, especially at a family law firm, you've got 
financial disclosures and things all over the place uh, that would just be be ripe for the wrong eyes. So again, it's an entire system uh, maintaining security. So um, again, back to uh, time saving and money. Uh, video live and video mail. Uh, video mail is something I've heard a lot about lately with people really embracing it, knowing that one of the main uh, complaints of, of attorneys is not returning phone calls. The video mail uh, procedures make it so easy to have face-to-face contact with a client and just send a one-way message. It shows that you're aware that they called and such. Do you have any uh, tips or thoughts on video mail? Uh, well, it's another messaging facility just like uh, email. It just makes it a little bit better where you, again, are able to uh, you know, use a webcam that sits on the top of your laptop, tape that message, and send that message as opposed to typing in an email. So you get to see the person, you understand the inflection in their voice, and there's no uh, uh, misunderstanding when they uh, say LOL, right? Right. So, and as the technology has improved, uh, what are your comments on the user friendliness um, for a user who has not yet been introduced and is now learning for the first time? What are your thoughts? They get friendlier, uh, you know, every month. So uh, you can look at Skype. It's to me much easier to use today than it was a year ago. And uh, you know, over time, people will. Uh, embrace what they feel comfortable with, but today the applications, as we go, uh, you know, through the months, get easier and easier to use. I agree, and I think that social media. I think Facebook has really, um, and different social media avenues have really made things user friendly to a larger segment of the audience in attracting uh, their their use. So um, I, I feel that people are, are sort of following in line with other technologies and software applications to make them user friendly. Um, do you get a lot of questions about Facebook and social media applications? Oh sure, yeah. I mean, we we get a a, a lot of questions about um, you know any any new technology that that's out there, and um, and particularly you know sometimes you know uh, companies or especially software companies are looking to um, churn out new software additions, and and the problem with that is that they're going so quickly um, that um, they sometimes ignore some of the security steps that we've uh, that we've uh, just talked about, and. And that's why it's so important to kind of um, you know make sure that you have those policies that you mentioned um, internally to uh, kind of regulate what uh, your employees are doing because um, you know the hackers are out there doing nothing but trying to find new ways to hack new technology. So it's really important. Well, I think that the overall uh, thing that we're hearing is that the technology is there to make life easier, and there are a lot of great uh, cost-effective options for people who want to have a streamlined, technologically savvy uh, practice who don't necessarily need to bring in loads of software and make large capital contributions. So we talked a little bit in our first segment about some common definitions and terms. Then we talked in our second segment about how we can make life easier with using some of these. Now, in our third segment, after we return from the break, we'll touch a little bit upon the different ways that we can learn how to avoid some common risks so that we don't get burned. Now, at, we're going to pause for a break now. For anyone who's just tuned in, you're listening to ALR PRA's Law Talk Radio. And at the halfway point through the show, we bring you our daily legal news. And we get our daily legal news from the AMLAW Daily. And a website for the AMLAW Daily is www.amlawdaily.com. A-M-L, 
a m l a w d a i l y dot com. And from their talent section, we find this piece from today, uh, dated February twenty eighth, titled "The Careerist." Quote, never let them see you cry. Posted by Vivia Chen. Text reads, remember the fun old days when partners ruled like generals or despots, barking orders and terrorizing associates at will. Some behaved abominably towards underlings, even towards other partners sometimes. And, depending on how much in billings they generated, management turned a blind eye. Such was life in big law. But partner boorishness has lost acceptability. They're no longer tolerated. At least that's what firms tell me. A modicum of civility is now expected, and some large firms' serial abusive partners are packed off like hard-to-train puppies for coaching sessions and a little leadership re-education. But even if you're not in the bully league, your management style could probably use a bit of improvement. Are you sending out the right vibes? Are you bringing the best in your troops? Are you forbidding, discouraging, or just a killjoy to work for? Check more about this article on the AmLaw Daily under the talent section. Uh, again, this comes from Vivia Chen and the Careerist. So, a g- wonderful, uh, you know, anecdotal stories. I think that many of us uh, have either been there or seen it. So, uh, never let them see you cry. So, the AmLaw Daily, a great source for all sorts of news, commentary, and other things law. Now, our fourth uh, sponsor break uh, comes from Get Clients Now. That's Jim Thompson. So, are you a solo practitioner or work in a small? law firm, and if you do so and want to get new clients now, there's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach you should talk to. His name is Jim Thompson, and his program is called Get Clients Now. He'll help you take the crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenues. His program employs time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Jim is a monthly guest on our Law Talk radio program every first Thursday of the month, and after retiring from a full, fulfilling career as a trial attorney, Jim focused his energies on helping young attorneys and attorneys in transition get more clients. He's got a great program, and to learn more about his program and the Midwest Consulting Group, please visit MidwestConsultants.net, and also check out his testimonials on Facebook by searching Get Clients Now. ALRPRA strongly endorses the Get Clients Now program and understands the personal accountability component of this course. You can get in touch with Jim Thompson today by visiting MidwestConsultants.net. Now, before we go back into our programming, we want to remind our listeners that they can share our broadcast links within their social networks. Again, many people find our shows on their friends' Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages, and we thank all of you for your support in sharing our programming. Now, jumping back into IT systems and information technology, again, we have Yehuda Kagan and Bill Packard from XFan Technology Corporation. And in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about how to avoid some common risks. Before I ask any questions, does one of you want to throw out the biggest risk? It's clearly internal. Internal, exactly. So let's make sure that our employees don't steal uh, or otherwise you know, run off with information. What are some of the most common things you see? Well, a common, one of the common things we see is actually it, it's, you know, it might be um, it seems fairly innocuous. For example, a salesperson that has um, clients, you know, certain client information or certain, and they kind of put together, um, you know, their their own uh, list of of uh, of leads, for example, or someone that's putting something together. They might think sometimes that it's not that it's because they put it together, um, they can leave with it whenever they um, depart the company. When in fact, that's actually company information. So uh, while some of it is um, 
certainly malicious. I, there are many, many uh, instances that we've seen that uh, people just leave with co with company or firm data, and that could be um, a detriment sometimes, especially when you have uh, you know confidential client information. So how do we prevent uh, unhappy employees from uh, committing some IT sabotage and walking off with our valuable information? Well, there are a number of ways to do that. First, uh, I would start by making sure that you hire the right employees. Okay, so whatever your background check is, make sure that you do that. Um, second is that um, you can programmatically prevent their access to certain types of data. So we recommend that people have access to the data that they need to do their jobs, and that's it. So you you can um, make sure that uh, they don't have access to, to certain files, like, for example, the payroll file. Well, you know, there's probably one or two people in the company has access to the payroll file, and others should not. So there are generally three types of access. Uh, that you can give somebody to a file, there's view, update, or delete, okay? And so depending upon the level that, uh, of access that they need, you can give them one of those three levels of uh, uh, access. Uh, second, in addition to that, there are certain programs that you can use for uh, what I call critical file inspection. So, for example, one of the critical files on a system is the permissions file. So the permission for somebody to access a file, um, you only want maybe one or two people uh, having the ability to update that. And so there's there's software that you can use that will tell you when somebody has tried to access a file that they're not supposed to. And so you sort of manage that by exception, so to speak. So you'll get a list at the end of the day of the files, who tried to access them that weren't supposed to, for example. And, and so this also, go ahead. You said so there's a trail of uh, of activity. That's exactly what it is. It's an audit trail. Yehuda, you had a comment? No, go ahead. Okay, so the, having a trail is also good to track uh, what's going on with, with employees as well. Um, one of the, another, another question I want to ask is about limit remote access. Is there a way to limit remote access to work hours? No, certainly. Um, you know, you can limit it. Uh, there are sophisticated uh, firewalls that can allow access at certain times of the day, and that's why it's, um, you know, critical that you uh, purchase the right type of um, uh, firewall or like Cisco or Juniper that are um, you know have uh, reputations in the industry as uh, as having these certain yeah yeah what you don't want to do is go down to your Best Buy and get a Linksys bring it back to your firm plug it in and you know uh, dare to believe that you might be secure uh, because you're not in a lot of times like it, it, when you're at, when you when you're having them access um, uh, work via their um, Mobile equipment, for example, sometimes they'll they'll download that equipment, let's say off on their um, on their let's say their personal home computer, and let's say that home computer gets hacked into, well then you got a problem because uh, while your internal um, yeah IT system is safe, you can't always account for your employees or your uh, coworkers' uh, home systems. So that that's a real key uh, point that you brought up. So the practice tip there is to make sure that you have 
uh, separate equipment for your employees if they're working virtually or on site. And I would suggest, and this is again uh, calling back to our last show, Marcus Harris made a good point of if you have a, an employee who's using uh, a BlackBerry or something that's their own, and they have their own phone number, they own that equipment. You have little control over what they can do, and um, there's there's you know difference in what you can protect there. Right, and at the very least, um, you should have some sort of um, uh, remote software that allows you to wipe the data clean in the in the event that um, the let's say the laptop or the smartphone gets stolen or or lost, which is very common um, today with laptops and these remote devices. Um, just have something in place that allows you to wipe it clean because you can always replace um, you know equipment, but um, you know notebooks can uh, you know hold up to you know millions of dollars worth of data, and so that's uh, that's a key thing to look out for. Now, when we talk about some of the software that can go in remotely and access and wipe things out, um, it, to me, the, my first reaction is it sounds really expensive. Um, and now, so are these again softwares that were that were bought? Are we buying the software? Are we getting licenses? Um, how expensive is this? Is this something that a sole practitioner can use? Is it something that um, is maybe you can pay for over time? What are some of the options that you know of? Well, Nick, what's really expensive is trying to defend yourself when that's happened to you, okay? So if you compare that versus, uh, you know, the cost of this uh, remote software that will allow you to, you know, uh, track the laptop, uh, delete the contents on that, uh, there's no comparison in those two costs. So, But they're not very expensive, and they're to the point where a, a, a sole practitioner could use that. Yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Good point, good point. My next question is about disaster and disaster recovery. Um, and and uh, as Yehuda and I were talking yesterday, um, we had here in Chicago, we had the big snowstorm that debilitated everyone. But I know that in Houston, you have uh, hurricane issues and such and things, natural disasters that um, can, um, you know, I can't imagine if all my equipment were flooded and whatnot. What are some of your thoughts on um, avoiding some of the risks with disaster? Well, first and foremost, you, you got to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, then it, you know you can always have you know you can always think that you can that you'll be able to um, respond when the time comes. But when when there's a Cat Five hurricane coming towards you, you're not always thinking as clearly as you'd like. And so you got to have a plan. And most and the second thing I think would be to test that plan because you know it seems you know it seems good on paper all the time, but uh, you need to test that plan as well. So. But um, above and beyond that, I think you need to have uh, – the first and foremost thing is to make sure that your your employees are safe. You know, you don't want to have to make a decision. Let's say you're a, a multi-location um, you know, multi law firm with um, branches in all parts of the country and uh, cases going on in all parts of the country. You don't want to have to make the decision to uh, protect your to – stay, to stay at the firm or, or close up shop I mean, at the expense of your employees. Um, so um, the most important thing is to uh, have a plan, test the plan, and make sure you are in uh, contact with your employees at all times. You get their mobile phone, uh, phone numbers beforehand and uh, just make sure you can stay in contact with them and as well have uh, some sort of um, communication or backup communication method to uh, contact your clients in, in, uh, in an emergency. Good advice. Bill, I'd like to ask you a question. You said several times that data is not safe anymore. I've heard that before. What exactly do you mean by that, and how concerned should we really be? Well, uh, depending upon 
how important that data is to you or perhaps uh, how damaging it could be if it got out into the eyes of the public. You know, that, that's the level of data that you need to, um, you, you need to give that uh, a level of security based on uh, how critical you think that data is. For example, uh, you know, at home I have a address list of other people in my Sunday school class, right? All right, well, if that gets out in the public eye, no big deal, all right? But for uh, other issues that I might have, you know, I've got um, firms with, you know, their clients' tax returns on there, uh, divorce decrees, sometimes that's public record, sometimes it's not. But those types, anything that can get out in the public and could be damaging, you want to make sure that you protect that. And again, I just assume that no data is safe because I believe that that is the stance that you need to take when you're trying to protect data. I agree, and I appreciate that candid response. And I'm going to – we're going to pause for a break in a minute, but I want to suggest that the – the operation of business has the game has changed a bit, and where we have a lot of cost savings, there are still is necessary overhead, and where we now do not have to pay as much for certain software. Um, it's not as if we're all getting off the hook without overhead and costs. The costs have just changed. So I'd suggest that we should think long and hard about good insurance policies. And I'm talking about insurance policies that will pay claims. So good, valuable insurance and also spending the right amount of money on the right professionals. It's all about due diligence. It's all about doing your homework and making efforts to be protected. And again, taking reasonable steps. Of course, um, if if you there are always going to be potential security risks, just as there are there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees uh, that uh, you know something isn't going to happen on the way to work in the morning. And likewise, there's no guarantees that information is safe. But by taking the right steps and talking to the right IT professionals, and that will be our fourth segment when we come back from the break, you can have much more peace of mind, operate more efficiently, more effectively, make more money, and at the end of the day, feel that you've done your job in trying to protect your material and your information because um, so many of the security risks, I feel like they make us so paranoid, but it's almost paranoid to the point we're at a standstill. So let's get over that and uh, learn how we can work with IT professionals to our benefit in the final segment. So we're going to pause now for our uh, law practice management resources. And again, these apply to uh, law firms, but also other uh, other service uh, industries for practice management, um, but you know, actually, they're more intense law firms. So um, today's also the first. The first uh, one comes from the ABA Web Store and ABA Publishing. Uh, we read this title in our last show. We're going to continue because it's a hot topic right now, and it dovetails with a guest coming up on another episode. But uh, one of the titles for today is "Mastering Wardier and Jury Selection: Gaining an Edge in Questioning and Selecting Your Jury," the third edition. This much-anticipated and expanded third edition by one of the nation's most experienced trial consultants goes far beyond other books on jury selection and focuses on the skills needed to conduct effective voir dire and jury selection, ultimately improving your chances of a favorable verdict at trial. This valuable guide will help you understand effective voir dire and jury selection strategies and adapt them to the unique circumstances you face in your trial jurisdiction. 
Note that Friday's Law Talk radio program has a jury consultant as a guest, so we're going to be reading this title all week. I think it's a great title from ABA Publishing. More information, you can look at ababooks.org. American Bar uh, is the, the new website domain, so that's a recent change, and the websites have all been updated for user-friendliness, so go take a look. Our second uh, practice management resource is the Law Bulletin Publishing Company. When you subscribe to the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin and the Chicago Lawyer Magazine, you'll receive up-to-date legal news from Chicago and around Illinois. Also, check out the Law Bulletin blog, Attorneys in Transition, which offers advice and tips for lawyers in flux in their career and going through a career transition. It also hosts a monthly career seminar. I am one of the weekly advice columnists published in the Attorneys in Transition site, and I hope that you visit and leave your comment at attorneysintransition.com. Now, our final law practice management resources today is our very own ALRPRA Practice Management Services. We offer hourly consulting and fixed-fee project-based services in systems development for your office management, as well as our core business activities in public relations, marketing, technology, management, and finance. Our webinars and hands-on desk reference materials are available for attorneys in transition, especially anyone launching a solo practice. Please visit our At Work page at ALRPRA.com for more information. Now our final commercial sponsor is credit damage expert George Finder. Your credit score and reputation are valuable assets. If you suffer damage to your credit score, you should consider your damages. Credit damage expert George Finder is an expert who can put a dollar amount on damage to your credit score. George Finder is one of the only credit damage experts in the country, and the attorneys and plaintiffs who have retained his services have earned huge damage awards in various practice areas such as personal injury, employment law, family law, and general civil litigation. By learning how to incorporate credit damage questions into the intake process, you and your staff will learn how to spot credit damage events worthy of retaining George Finder's credit damage analysis services. Available nationwide, credit damage expert George Finder is available for consulting on damage to credit reputation. The website with more information is creditdamageexpert.com. Again, creditdamageexpert.com. You can learn more about George Finder and his expert services. Now, before we go back to our show, we want to remind people that you can always call into our shows at 917-889-9732. Press option 1 to be placed on the caller queue. We also recognize that many of you do find our shows through social media channels and after the fact or through the website, so we do appreciate the uh, active archive links, and our Law Talk Radio page on the website has links to all of our archive shows. And also, you can search our for programming and leave us information on our Law Talk Radio fan page on Facebook. Just simply go to Facebook, and on the top search tab, type in Law Talk Radio, and you should find us right away. So going back to our program, we're going to talk to Mr. Yehuda Chen, and we're also going to talk to Bill Pickard about different ways we should learn to find the right IT professionals and um, to outsource uh, IT functions. So let's just jump right into this. And what I'll suggest is in years past, what I had been used to is uh, the local guy for many buildings who uh, services some law firms. And, and nowadays, uh, there seem to be so much more options as people can remote into my computer from anywhere. So tell us about how we should go about choosing the right IT professionals. Well, you, you said it right, um, right before we went to the break that uh, it's all about um, finding the right professionals. And, um, you know, what, there, are, there are a few things that uh, we recommend when looking for a uh, you know an IT vendor or an IT outsourcing firm, and um, but it should start with certainly with your um, with the business outcomes that you hope to establish. I mean, 
and you sh so that you'd have something to measure their performance against. And, um, and certainly they should have a service level agreement of some sort to, um, to help monitor and um, bring those metrics back and, and it'll help them help you understand if they've um, uh, done, done what they're supposed to do. So, so, so the service level agreements are man, you know, what I'm hearing is setting expectations and then being able to judge whether those expectations were uh, carried out. Um, right. What's a good? How do you how do you know if they've done what they've indicated? Especially if you're if you're not tech savvy in the first place. Well, um, well let me give you a simple metric. Okay, you have a uh, outsourced your uh, break fix, let's say of your server and that you want a certain amount of uptime out of that server. And so you put together an agreement, typically paid on a monthly basis, for someone to maintain that server for you, and you want to maintain 99.9% .9 uptime during working hours. Okay, So from 8 in the morning to 6 at night, that's the metric. And so it's uh, clear, it's very easy to understand. Um, it's easy to measure, and so at the end of the month, you can determine whether or not you met that 99.9% uptime. And that's a key metric because, um, you know, uh, most lawyers bill by hour, so anytime they're down, they're losing they're losing revenue. So uptime, can you uh, talk a little bit more about what you mean by that as a definition? Yeah, sure. Uh, if um, a user goes to their uh, CRT, screen, laptop, whatever, and is not able to log on to the server with using a user ID and password, then that system is considered down for that amount of time that they're not able to log on and, and pull down those applications, whether it's Microsoft Office or something like that. Okay, so we're talking about we might still have Internet uh, functionality, but our, our server, well, our, our our software that is tied in through the server would go down, so preventing uh, from servers going down. Right, that would be server uptime. If, if you have a separate um, uh, so, so contract with your with your um, communications provider, then you can hold them to similar standards. Okay. Now, what about uh, what if you have a, an IT? A lot of people have an IT consultant that is a friend of a friend or knows someone who's been working in the industry. What What are some thoughts there on you know? Let's say you have good. Um, if you have a good relationship with that person, you might retain them for for uh, some tasks, and you might outsource uh, some other tasks. Any thoughts there? Depends on the expertise that that individual has. Usually, if they're a friend of a friend, they're just that. And uh, because they are a friend of a friend, you would not give them the same due diligence that you would do a third party that you hold at arm's length. So, um, you know, it, it's sort of like going to Best Buy and, and getting the Linksys router. Uh, you know, the, the Best Buy salesman tells you it's secure, right? Well, maybe it is and maybe it isn't. But, you know, is that individual a... Uh, an expert in in security probably not. So you you still have to use the same level of due diligence, even though it's a friend of a friend. And basically, what you want to do is get references, you know, and, and ask those references uh, for these services he's offering to provide me. Uh, have they done this for you? And what's been your experience? It, it's very simple. Takes five or ten minutes, but can save you a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble over the long run. Yeah, and I think generally when you're looking for an IT outsourcing provider, you're going to, you're going to try to find someone, and Bill alluded to the, a break-fix guy, 
the best uh, providers are usually not break fix guys. Um, in most cases, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are some great break fix guys out there, but um, the best way, the best person or best vendor that you'd like to um, to seek out is probably a more proactive um, vendor, someone that doesn't kind of um, thrive off of your problems as opposed to your success. You don't want them making money off of fixing your constant quote unquote problems. Uh, you want them to know that um, that their their success is linked closely to your success. So going back to that 99.9% uh, uptime guarantee by SLA, you can hold them to that if they don't reach it. Whereas if the break fix person, um, you know, they can keep on coming out and they can keep on charging you. Now the out the outsourced individual and the outsourced IT firm, um, where you suggest there's maybe a monthly billing plan. I've heard of um, you know, several companies who offer that. Uh, is it all levels of service from programming phones? And I mean, how how much can be done uh, remotely? Let's say you're in you're in Houston, I'm in Chicago. Uh, if I hire you as my IT outsourced company, um, what can you do remotely? What can I? What can you not do? Well, well, really now with the with the prevalence of the internet and the, the speeds of, of of the internet, I mean everything. I mean for the most part. I mean, it, um, you know, obviously uh, there's user error that you have to account for, but uh, there, there are people that can kind of like you said, walk you through, share your screen, and kind of walk you through whatever you need to do. You know, if you put put in a disk up, you know, upside down or something like that, they can suggest that. Um, for the so for the most part, you know, I would say everything can be done um, remotely. Now, when it can be done remotely, I would think that also um, with some of the software uh, applications we talked about and the firewalls and whatnot, how much of that can you obtain through an outsourced provider, or do you need to obtain that software separately? Today, really, any aspect of your IT operation, you can obtain that uh, via the cloud, You know, whether it's your Microsoft Office applications. Uh, you know, they offer that. Uh, over the cloud on a monthly uh, pay-as-you-go subscription. So whether it's Microsoft Office or if it's critical file inspection uh, or if it's practice management, uh, a company like AdvoLogix, for example, um, you know, any aspect of your law firm today uh, you can get over, over the Internet via the cloud. And, and and some, you know, some people refer um, to it as cloud, and I know I've also seen it being referred to as utility computing. And the reason for that moniker is basically they want to make it as um, ubiquitous as an electricity provider, for example. So, you know, as a electricity um, client or um, a client of your electricity provider, you don't care about what's going on with regard to the generators or the, uh, the power sources or the people making that work. You just want to know that when you flip on the switch, it's working. And so um, technology is moving to, towards that point where that can, we can make that possible. So I can have, let's say I'm an attorney and I practice in a, um, in a let's say I practice in an area that's not state specific and I, I go from place to place. I could have my laptop, my smartphone, everything I need and go from place to place all around the country, all around the world, call on a company like yours and say, I want to be set up for all these. I've got virtual employees, one in Topeka, Kansas, one in Manhattan, um, <laughs> and, and pay a monthly fee and it can all be done for me as if I was at a big firm. Yep, we do that all day, every day. Amazing. It's you know it's really amazing where we've gone from uh 
<laughs> from days past where um you know I was out it was in law, I was in law school 99 to 02 and out in the suburbs it was uh some people were just starting to take their laptops and go go uh have a law office and I remember an, a person left a law firm and had a law f- and worked from their home and uh the law firm said that person doesn't have a law firm. That's someone in a basement with a computer and, and a laptop. But I, I, I beg to differ in today's day of, of virtual uh, technology and different uh, capabilities that um, it really is that easy and it can be that secure. Well, and, and that gives you gives the solo practitioner and smaller firms the capability of of, um, of larger firms. And you know, even though they may be uh, quote unquote a uh, you know person in his basement or or, or the like. Well, I mean, it, 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 it gives the them per- those, you know, go ahead. capabilities. Yeah, yeah it, they have all the capabilities, and if they have virtual employees, you could be as large of an organization. You don't really need a physical space other than to meet with people. Um, so it's really it's it's quite impressive. You know, can I have some contact um, for you if you could tell us again a little bit more about um, just shortly what your company does, um, if I haven't highlighted it already, and how people can get a hold of you. Well, I, I think we, we kind of alluded to it. Um, we basically make um, uh, IT as as easy as flipping on a switch, so you don't have to worry about the the ins and outs of technologies, which services to buy, which computers to buy, how to secure them, how to basically manage the entire IT lifecycle, purchasing, installing, managing, protecting, and supporting. And technology moves so fast, so that's a constantly evolving. And we, we run up against, um, you know, attorneys all the time that, says that, that say, you know, we don't deal with IT. And our answer to them is exactly, you don't. And that's not your core competency, and that's not something you probably want to spend most of your time on. And so what we do is we um, enable our clients to take advantage of enterprise-level systems and a team of of uh, of experts for a uh, predictable at a predictable price point that allows them to um if they need to grow or if they need to scale back they can do that and they only pay per user per month and the way they can contact this uh, us excuse me is either via the uh our website which is www.isutility.com or they can call us at any time at 832-204-4909 all right well that phone number one more time 832-204-4909. Thank you, gentlemen, for being on the program today. I appreciate your valuable time. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, Nick. All right, and we'd also like to take a moment to thank our callers, well, people who call into the show and uh, provide us with uh, comments for the programming they want to see. If you ever have programming you want to see your guests you think would be a good match, please reach out to us. Also, don't be afraid to contact us via email at nick, N-I-C-K, at A-L-R-P-R-A.com or through our website, A-L-R-P-R-A.com. And we'd also like to thank our generous commercial sponsors. We've had today, number one, Mary Erlane of Peak Marketing and Sales, and LMI Riverside. Two, Nancy K. Ducharme of the law offices of Nancy K. Ducharme. Third, Steve Fretzen and Sales Results Incorporated. Fourth, Jim Thompson and the Midwest Consulting Group and Get Clients Now program. And fifth, credit damage expert George Finder. Some upcoming shows, we will have, again, Jim Thompson and I will be talking about uh, law firm systems on March 3rd. We're going to be talking about how to streamline your practice management activities. We're uh, not talking about the IT as much as um, uh, some human uh, systems and uh, methods for getting everything done appropriately and uh, running the a lean, uh, mean law firm. So then we have on March 4th, John Gillahand is a senior jury consultant from Kroll on Track, 
and that's K-R-O-L-L on track. He'll be our guest to talk about the impact of social media on jury selection. Again, a very hotly uh, contested topic right now. A whole variety of opinions out there among attorneys. So jury selection on Friday and law firm systems on Thursday. Now, by way of disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice, and results may vary based on your facts and location. Communication with attorneys on this show does not give rise to attorney-client relationship, and our programming is politically neutral and objective. Counterpoints to views are always welcomed. ALRPRA does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by experts, and all callers remain confidential, and rights to this broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA Incorporated. These Law Talk Radio broadcasts are programmed to bring our attorney and non-attorney audiences the tips, tools, and practice area information they can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services. With guests and listeners located worldwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use this socially networked radio program and bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine for ALRPRA Incorporated, and we thank you for your time.